The Terrifying Lies Podcast, with music and stories by Craig Nibo. I recently discovered the New York City Podcast Network. This content curator site is so cool that I wanted to tell you about it. Before I do, you need to know this isn't a paid advertisement. This is just me sharing something that I think you will enjoy. If you're looking for a new podcast listening experience that pulls you in and doesn't let you go, the New York City Podcast Network, found online at nycpodcastnetwork.com, offers an excellent way to sort through the huge volume of content and find something you're going to love. Currently, they list 807 different podcasts, sorted by categories, release dates, rankings, and more. To get to the good stuff, you can click on their recommended episodes, quickly peruse through a list, and start listening. You can even vote up your favorite episodes and watch them climb the leaderboard. The leaderboard, by the way, puts the most in-demand podcasts right at your fingertips, so you can browse, discover, and dive right into your next listen. If you like listening to podcasts and want something new, I recommend you visit nycpodcastnetwork.com today. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the first inter-season edition of the Terrifying Lies podcast. As I said at the end of the finale for season one, I plan to offer a few fun pieces from the archives between seasons while I prepare the next crypt of stories for your enjoyment. Today, I give you a live performance from three authors, Michael Brent Collings, DJ Butler, and me. We perform this at FanX, a pop culture convention held in Salt Lake City. Our goal, decide in the court of law, once and for all, on the issue of zombie enfranchisement. It's interesting to note that both Collings and Butler were both lawyers in their former careers. Butler even did his research and looked up some case law to support his arguments. I believe Collings was just flying by the seat of his pants. I acted as judge and it becomes obvious quickly that I don't know what I'm doing. We held the court of battle in front of a room full of about 200 people. I had a blast. I hope someday in the future that we will be able to once again mount the halls of justice for yet another battle for the rights of the downtrodden. I now present A Case for Zombie Enfranchisement, performed live by Michael Brent Collings, David Butler, and Craig Nibo. Zombie Enfranchisement, the court battle. Zombie civil rights group The White Hand lodges suit against the state for zombie enfranchisement with counselors Michael Brent Collings representing the state and DJ Butler representing the white hand. Craig Nibo as the judge. Panel held at Comic-Con, the fan experience, Salt Lake City, April 17th, 2014. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna go ahead and start. Uh, you're in for the court battle. Zombies have filed for enfranchisement. Before we get into that, we're gonna introduce ourselves. We'll start with Michael oh, I'll stand up. My name. Are we introducing our real selves? Yes. Oh, okay. You have a fake self? You have to plug Counselor? Do you have a fake self? All lawyers have fake selves. My name's Michael Brent Collings. Uh, I'm a novelist and screenwriter. I am one of uh, the most successful independent horror writers in the United States. Uh, I've been one of Amazon's top-selling horror writers for over two years. Uh, I'm also a Purdue screenwriter and member of the Writers Guild of America, and I pop up periodically on every one of Amazon's uh, major bestseller lists, science fiction, fantasy, thrillers, all that good stuff, and that's all I do. I also ha am in the process of writing what's probably going to be an eight-part zombie epic called The Colony 
saga. So I also do zombies. Uh, I'm Dave Butler. Uh, I write novels. Um, I'm actually working with Craig also on some TV shows in development, but I've got, uh, I write steampunk and horror and fantasy. I've got self-published stuff and I've got actually two different forthcoming book deals with, with major publishers in the middle reader space. Uh, a, uh, a murder mystery story in which the ghost of a little girl solves her own murder uh, and a, uh, an action fantasy steampunk retelling of Pinocchio. So anytime over the weekend, it's pretty bitchin'. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to put that on the cover of the book. Uh, come, <laughs> that would be great. Like authors start blurbing yeah. their own books. <laughs> this book is bitchin', you eight-year-olds. Dave yeah. Butler. Uh, so come. To, I'm in R5, uh, and uh, I'll be there all weekend. Come find me and talk. And Dave and I are, have been friends for quite a few years. Yep. But we stop now. Yeah. <laughs> Advantage Karate Man. Name is Craig Nibel. Uh, I'm, uh, I, like Dave says, I'm working with him on some uh, comedy, some cartoon television shows. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an author also. Uh, my book that's probably most relevant to this situation is Allied Zombies for Peace. It's just your run-of-the-mill zombies versus the KKK story. We've all... Another one for the fire, right? So, and I'm also a musician. So, Zombie Sing Along are some of the records. Actually, Dave played on this record. Dave That's has a guitar true. solo on this record. He's the one going. I, I, I can't get part one, by the way. Is part one is part one not available? I will give it to you. No, I'll buy it from you. Right. We'll bring it. Uh, I'm also big fans of both these authors. I've read multiples of their books, and I highly recommend that you do it too. And I am also in the artist alley, which is the place down in the expo where you can get things signed for free. So come on over and visit all three of well, us. Well, my autographs are $15, but I will throw in a free a book. free book. Yeah. <laughs> well played, sir. Okay. The U.S. government versus the versus zombies zombies suing suing for enfranchisement the right to vote will begin immediately first we need to impanel a jury can i have everybody raise their hands please i'm going to ask a series of questions and i'm going to ask you to either keep your hand up or put your hand down and then i'm going to allow our our lawyers our counsel to ask a few questions as well number one keep your hand up if you are a george romero fan Whoa, some hands went down. <laughs> Keep your hand up if you know what a deadite is. <laughs> Keep your hand up if you know what Soylent Green is made of. <laughs> if you believe zombies should be quick moving, put your hand down. I think you might be down to 12 already. Yeah, we might One, be. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, I'm going to allow you guys some questions, too. All right. All right, if you're a libertarian, please put your hand down. <laughs> Final Harsh. question. If you have ever tasted human flesh, put your hand down. I turn questions over to ah. the council. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we each have two questions. Yeah? Yes. All right. You in the mask. Do you hate poor, hungry people? <laughs> All right, he can keep his hand up. <laughs> Anybody think zombies would make good pets? If you do, keep your hand up. All right. Uh, drop your hand if you have never gotten a bad look or a rude comment for your personal habits, your body odor, your grooming. <laughs> never, never, you've never, if you've had immaculate, flawless personal habits, flawless, immaculate, never smelled of dead flesh. <laughs> You should feel free to drop your hand. Anyone who is pro-Second Amendment, keep your hand up. Those who have your hands up, please stand. I'm going to give counsel the opportunity to throw out two, up to two jurors. I'm going to toss the two in the back, because I don't like people that sit in the back. 
The, let the record reflect there are three in the back. Two on the side, two on the side. No, you, you don't, you, you on this side, you up. There you go. There are multiple sides, counselor. I'm afraid I'm gonna have to ding curly-haired Star Trek guy. Oh. I'm sorry. Ooh. I notice you hate curly-haired people. I do. They, they and, have hair still, and, I resent them. And Star Trek. Uh, I don't resent Star Trek, but I think I resent this guy with too much gold. I don't resent you. I'm concerned about your feelings about civil liberties, sir. Please take, <laughs> please take a seat. Okay, I'm going to read the case. The civil rights organization, the White Hand, has lodged suit against the United States government for the purpose of securing voting enfranchisements for the undead. The White Hand claims that increasing sentience in zombies grants them the same rights as warm individuals. The White Hand argues that the sentiment that zombies are violent or a violent threat to humanity is largely false. Their exhibits include records that, according to their claim, prove that zombie violent crime does not exceed violent crime among humans. Opening statements. Counsel? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Your Honor, Mr. Collings. <laughs> Before we enter into the deep thickets of the law, I want to give you a summary of the law that will apply here. Because we're going to talk about constitutional rights and it becomes complex. And I don't want to lose our way. Let me tell you one simple sentence what the applicable law is. Are you ready? If there's a less restrictive way, you must let zombies vote today. If there's a less restrictive way, you must let zombies vote today. Say it with me. If there's a less restrictive way, you must let zombies vote today. Very good. Objection. Fantastic. The jury can't talk. <laughs> Objection sustained. Manifestly, they can. Your Honor, I withdraw the chant, but not the statement of law, but not the statement of law. Ladies and gentlemen of the court, we take our stand as we must upon the United States Constitution, as given to us by God and General Washington. I would draw your attention in particular to the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution, part of the Bill of Rights passed as a, a necessary part of the deal that ratified the entire Constitution, which in pertinent part says, the federal government may not deprive any person of liberty without due process of law. The federal government may not deprive any person of liberty without due process of law. This has come to mean that courts have the power to protect the rights of people even when those rights are not specifically spelled out in the Constitution. Now, you may say to yourself, there's something problematic, there's something terribly missing. What about those states? Are they not the scourge of individual rights? Are they not bastions of bigotry, small-town, small-mindedness? And you're right, they are. They can be. But due to the particular nature of the forging of our union, at the time, States were not treated. That was seen to be an oversight. That was clearly an oversight. And for eight decades, we struggled. And in the end, we were ultimately so concerned that states also should not have the ability to trample the liberty of persons, that we fought a war. And we left thousands of our dead upon the fields of Antietam, Chancellorsville, Gettysburg, so that we could enact the 14th Amendment, which says that no state government shall deprive any person of liberty without due process of law. No state government. Now, I want, to talk about, I want to talk about one road down which the state may seek to lead us, which is misbegotten, which is an error. To see the error, we have to, we have to make an observation together. It's this. Voting is a fundamental right. Voting is a fundamental right. Why is voting a fundamental right? It's a fundamental right because it's part of what holds the fabric of our Constitution together. It goes to structure. It's not about pleasure. It's about holding the powerful responsible. We must have the right to vote. We must have the right to vote. The courts have always so held, and we fought a war to make sure states could not deprive people in this country of their right to vote and exercise similar liberties. 
Voting's a fundamental right. That means the standard that the state must uphold to take away the fundamental right of voting is called strict scrutiny. It means that the state must show it has a compelling interest and that the means it chooses are narrowly tailored to the end. A compelling interest and narrowly tailored to the end. And I want to remind you, what was the statement of law we had? Oh, you can't chant. I'm sorry. <laughs> the court has taken away your right of speech. I'll, I'll remind you. I will tell you what it Counselor, is. Counselor, watch out. Thank you, Your Honor. I appreciate the warning. If there's a less restrictive way, you must let zombies vote today. No one's going to stand here and tell you that zombies are friendly. They're not. My clients smell bad. So do children. <laughs> My clients have poor manners. So do your children. And my clients have a fundamental problem, which is that they are hungry all the time. So do your children. <laughs> Does this mean your children should be deprived of their fundamental rights? No. Nor should my clients. Order. Nor should my clients. We'll have order in this court. Two questions. Does the state have a compelling interest? Clearly not. The state's interest is preventing murder. But humans commit murder. Bears commit murder. We don't proactively lock up or euthanize humans and bears. Because there's a less restrictive way. The, the less restrictive way to deal with that compelling interest is criminal law. And my clients absolutely should be subject to, in full to the strictures of criminal law. If a zombie succumbs to that terrible burning need within to eat a brain, that zombie should be held accountable in court of law. There's no question. That's not in dispute. Not a compelling interest. And the other question you have to ask is, is, is there, is there, a less restrictive way. The state has to prove there's no less restrictive way. That, the, that the, their, the, the method, the remedy, taking away my client's right to exercise their right to vote, taking them out of the civic process, is the only thing that can be done. Well, let me suggest three remedies. One, you've surely seen the recent documentary, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> Zombies do not have to be relegated into dungeons and the wilderness. With care, with love, they can be full, productive members of society. They can babysit your children with proper care, play video games with you, and be your personal shoppers, as we all saw in the documentary. I would, I would draw your attention as a, as, a, as a second example. I offer three, and then I'll turn the time over to the state and its rapacious... Mr. Collings, um, from another recent documentary called Warm Bodies. Some of you may have seen it. I would say this. I'm going to overrule this, injection, uh, this objection. I'm going to let him speak. Thank so. you, Your Honor. Mr. Collings has no heart. But as you saw in Warm Bodies, zombies do. Zombies do. And a less restrictive means for dealing with the zombie threat, it is a real threat. Your neighbor is a threat. The dog down the street's a threat. Yes, zombies are a threat. The less restrictive way to deal with the zombie threat, love. <laughs> love. And, and for the third thing, I would point you to the works of notorious tall-tailed teller, Mr. Michael Brent Collings. In particular, his book, The Colony. In particular, his book, The Colony. And you should understand about The Colony that it is manifestly a work of fiction. Because if The Colony were true, none of us would be here today. The, the Colony... The, the, <laughs> probably none of us would be gay. None of us would be alive would be the problem. If you read Mr. Collins' fiction... What are you fiction, here for? <laughs> justice, sir. I'm here for justice. And love. We will not be having drinks after this. <laughs> I accept that as the price I pay. In Mr. Collins' fictional view of zombies, their mere appearance causes the collapse of civilization. Mass murder 
blood in the streets, 90% of the population dead or turned to zombies in the first 10 minutes. Look around you. This has not happened. This has not happened. We do not need to go down the fictional route. Mr. Collins' fervid imagination, lighting every zombie on fire, throwing them into pits to gnaw themselves to pieces, putting a jackboot eternally in their face, because it's fiction. The truth is care, manacles in the proper moment, and a little bit of love. And remember two things. Would you take your rights from your children? Stinking, hungry little brutes that they are. <laughs> Two, if there's a less restrictive way, if there's a less restrictive way, you must let zombies vote today. Your Honor. Counselor. Thank you. Your Honor. Members of the jury, esteemed nerds. <laughs> As you can tell by my bow tie, my linen shirt, and my accent, I'm not learned like my, <laughs> my law spouting counsel over here. In fact, I'm not going to spout much law at you at all because it doesn't take a whole lot of law to know your children can't vote. <laughs> also, for the record, I don't think all your children smell nauseating. You've not met them. <laughs> or stink all the time. I also don't think your children, given the chance, will bite you in the throat and eat you. Now, is voting a right? Yes, for people who are alive! Objection. Is it's a it false a statement of law. The is Constitution it? does not specify it? life I'm overruling it. I'm overruling it. Let him speak. Outrageous, Your Honor. Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> Give notice of my, of my intention to Counselor, appeal. Counselor, you will keep your commentary to yourself. <laughs> Noted. Is it a right? Yes. Have I ever heard a case of digging up a corpse? Sticking their cold hand on the little punchy thing. <laughs> Yes, I know, it seems that some legislators must have been voted in that way. But in reality, you must have a pulse. You must metabolize. You must grow. You must be alive. And it is preferred that you not bite the pollsters in the neck. <laughs> Even though they are a-holes a great deal of the time. <laughs> Now, esteemed counsel for the zombie menace. Objection. Talked, oh, you can my, call me rapacious, but I can't call them a zombie menace. My client is known as the White Hand, sir. Oogity boogity. <laughs> Your comments are prejudicial. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sustain this objection. I withdraw oogity boogity. <laughs> Again, I'm just a small town lawyer. I don't come from a place that's so big it actually has city in the title. Provo? Salt Lake City. <laughs> Your children can't vote. He talks a lot about, oh, bears kill people. We don't lock up bears. I don't see many bears in the polling stations. <laughs> All we need is love. Why don't you go out and hug a grizzly? <laughs> Just dive into a tank with a great white shark and give it a big old kiss. <laughs> the things are dead. They're mean. Mostly they're dead. <laughs> and that should be enough because there has never been a court ruling on a dead person because laws don't apply to dead people because they're supposed to stay dead. <laughs> they lay down in the ground and if they have any common sense and decency, they just stay there. <laughs> but these mad buggers get up and bite people. <laughs> but no, we should love them. 
Yes, sir. Because, well, I don't know why. <laughs> First thing I do when I see a charging, decaying maniac who's going to bite me in the throat, suck my brains out and turn me into one of them, I think, give him a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> there are no civil rights for the dead any more than you get credit card offers for the dead. Oh, yes, Well, you yeah, you do. <laughs> but that's because credit card offers are also evil. <laughs> and like zombies, are basically soulless creations. Injection. Oh, would you like to argue the existence of a soul? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sustain that objection. Try to stay on topic. Counselor. I apologize. I apologize. He mentioned God, so I thought we would talk about metaphysics. <laughs> I get all confused when I'm accused of being rapacious. <laughs> I did like the, the Johnny Cochran line he threw at you. If there's no easier way, you must let him vote today or something like that. <laughs> Well, there is an easier way. Shoot them all in the head. <laughs> Objection. Sustained. Council is mischaracterizing my comments. If there's no less restrictive ah, way. Ah, no less restrictive Shooting way. Shooting my clients in the head would be, first of all, a criminal act. And secondly, somewhat well, more restrictive of their ability to participate in the civil process. I will process. say that, like his statement that there's no law against their voting, there's no law against shooting zombies in the head. <laughs> I'm going to allow that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you see the uphill struggle my clients face. Because they're dead. <laughs> By the nature of being dead, pretty much everything after that is an uphill struggle. <laughs> that is why Charles Dickens stopped writing when he died. <laughs> Shakespeare died, no more writing. Harry Grant, dead. Stop making movies. You die and you're supposed to stop. Not just voting. Everything. <laughs> Ain't no civil rights. Ain't no rights at all. Except maybe you have a nice plot of ground next to Grandpappy. <laughs> if you're Grandmammy. And if y'all stayed together. That's your business. I don't have a rhyme. I ain't Johnny Cochran, some big city lawyer with a suit. <laughs> I just know if you don't have a pulse for an extended period of time, chances are you ain't shouldn't be voting. Mr. Collins, I think many of my clients would be happy to volunteer for you to come take their pulse personally. That's because I'm a sexy beast. <laughs> I would have said tasty. And that there is a tacit admission of their danger. And I rest on that. All right. The Terrifying Lies podcast will return after this short commercial break. Welcome back to the Terrifying Lies podcast. The White Hand presents improvements in UEIQ scores. The Undead Entity Intelligence Quotient has recently become widely used to determine the level of an undead and sentience. Notable organizations, including the U.S. Undead Investigations Bureau, have made claims that the UEIQ score are climbing across the board. Some psychologists have even begun testing zombies using the standard human intelligence quotient and found that some undead rank in the upper 50s. The White Hand... <laughs> The White Hand proposes that enfranchisement should not be a privilege just for the super-intelligent. As part of their exhibits, they present a breakdown of UEIQ scores as evidence that intelligence is on the rise in the undead community. Counselor, would you care to comment? Well, clearly there's a new average IQ. And this country has never uh, held that intelligence was a basis for denying a person right to vote. It's interesting things Mr. Collins say, says, that's entertaining. Mr. Collins would like to live in a world in which dead do not arise from the grave. They should not, he says. They, they do not. They get nothing. All they get, but it, it's a counterfactual. We don't live in that world. This is the reaction of a man of 50 years ago, incapable of living in the world of today. Some people 
when they die, lie still in their grave and don't get up. Others do not. Others get up. Mr. Colling says, we don't take dead bodies out of the grave, drag them into the polling booth and have their thumbs put on voting forms. And he is absolutely correct. And I would not suggest otherwise. We're not talking about corpses. We're talking about people who walk, who complain, who feel, who have every bit the same constitutional rights as Mr. Collings. Now, I know for a fact that Mr. Collings developed his barrel-chested physique in the karate dojos of Los Angeles, despite, despite his small-town lawyer act and his bow tie. That's a man. May I object? Who is in this? another Am country might have to register his hands as Am lethal I weapons? I'm sustaining that objection. My stay, goodness. Stay, stay on the case. Let us assume, uh, instead, a hypothetical. Were Mr. Collins a dangerous man for any reason? Watch it, watch it Counselor. Should a dangerous man <laughs> lose the right to vote? Do we take the vote away from soldiers for their service because they come danger become dangerous? We don't. Do we take the vote away from people who own weapons to defend themselves in their home? We don't. We don't take the vote away from dangerous people. We have laws. We punish them when they hurt each other. That's it. That's the, that's the least restrictive way to deal with the threat. Punish people when they break the law, whether they're a zombie or whether it's a karate practitioner from Los Angeles in a bow tie of whatever name. I declare. I hope you do. Counselor? Was that the end of his discussion on intelligence quotient? Because... Well, sir, I was waiting for an argument from you, and what I heard was a bunch of discussions about things you wish the dead didn't do. Okay, I'll talk about intelligence quotient. Go. All right, as, well, first let me address a couple points. Is that all right? Sure. All right. Zombies complaining. Ugh. That's not complaining, that's gas. <laughs> Please bear in mind, there's a difference between a soldier who is dangerous, who has the potential to harm someone, and someone who must feed on your brains. Objection. Not must. Wants to. Oh, I don't think so. I don't know that that's been proven. I don't know that that's been proven. Now, just we talked about the intelligent quotient rising. First of all, I will point out that in the statement, I believe words of possibility were used. It wasn't definite. And so some doubt is cast on whether there is a rise in intelligence. Second of all, there are animals like octopuses. Interestingly enough, it is not octopi, it's octopuses. <laughs> that can learn to navigate mazes when given enough chances. Do we let them vote because they get better at the mazes? That's a bitchin' octopus. Objection. <laughs> Mr. Collins wishes to represent a series of octopuses. He may. Or octopoda. It is, it is not. It is not the case at issue. I'm no. going to allow it. I believe it's a, I believe it's a, a worthwhile comparison. Additionally, intelligence has never equaled value. Charles Manson, very smart. Hitler, very smart. The guy who invented those automatic toilet flushes that suck the little seat cover down right before you sit down. Very smart. Do any of them deserve to live? I don't know. <laughs> Bear in mind, intelligence has never equaled value. That is true. That is true. <laughs> We have never withheld from a citizen, from a person, a fundamental right on the basis of their being intelligent or not. And we don't know if these zombies have any. We just don't. And so for counsel to bring in an argument of a bunch of maybes, well, I might as well say, maybe they'll all blow up tomorrow. I don't know. It's just silly. Maybe they'll all come and steal your daughters, if you have daughters. Maybe they went back in time and stole your daughters already, and that's why you don't have daughters.
You're going to talk about something, prove it, or leave it out. You can't talk about maybes when you're talking about something as important as a pulseless monster voting. So I would like to observe that Mr. Collins continues to live in the world of counterfactual fantasy. Now his zombies kidnap brides and travel through time. <laughs> Neither one of which is an evidence. It's neither is the reality of the dead, higher The dead ought to stay in their graves when, in fact, they do not all do so. Sure, they ought to. I'm sorry. D does anybody think they should get up? <laughs> sure, let's all get up. We'll all party like it's 1999. <laughs> Mr. Collins, with all the compassion in my heart, I wish that you do not ever come to feel the ceaseless hunger of my clients. Me too, because then I'd be out fighting people choose. left and right. It is not a condition they enjoy. It is a simple fact of their existence. And I would also note, you appear to have conceded that the state's only issue was preventing murders. No. And you, in I order to bear... To that. That's a mischaracterization. In that is order not to my bear concession. the burden that the law puts upon you, you must show that depriving zombies of their vote is narrowly tailored. Object. That you couldn't accomplish your end. Your Honor, are you familiar with the law? <laughs> <laughs> I give notice again of my intent I, to I appeal. I am sustaining the objection. Object. Is the judge on trial? <laughs> he may be. I sustain his objection on the count of his bow tie. Oh, I see. Well, I object to his stature. <laughs> I will hypothetically karate punch you in the junk. <laughs> Counts counselors, I will take that as a concession. Counselors, you will stay on topic. And off his junk. <laughs> you raise the subject, sir. Violent crime statistical balance among warm and undead beings. The white hand claims that most bigotry aimed at the undead is based on violent crime perpetuated by zombies. They claim that zombies have no monopoly on violent crime. From the year 2000 to the present, there have been 165,068 documented warm-blooded murders. Undead murders come in at 173,142. That leaves an 8,074 gap between human and undead murder, a number claimed by the white hand that is negligible when one considers war, which is purely a human endeavor. In the said time period between the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, the U.S. death toll comes in at 7,029, raising human-to-human -human slaughter to 172,097. This creates a 1,045 murder discrepancy leaning toward human-to-human -human killing. Would the U.S. government care to comment? Sure. First of all, who cares? <laughs> Piranha kill a bunch of people, too. I'm not relevant. The fact that one group kills people and so does another group doesn't mean that group A gets to vote. They still suck. Well then, Mr. Collins, what is the interest you are trying to protect here? It's not to stop murder. Do you just hate zombies? Do you just not want zombies to vote a zombie-friendly candidate? I don't get to answer that. You know why? I'm not on trial. Now, having ignored my learned <coughs> counsel off to the side over there, living in dreamland, Here's the other question. That very statement uses terms repeatedly like murder. So let's say that zombies are murdering people. They are when they eat a human's brains. I have conceded well, from the beginning it is a crime to kill a person. And they all have to, repeatedly. They don't have to. Oh, they I desire think... it. And I can tell you from personal experience, sometimes we humans desire the same thing, Mr. <laughs> Collins. So many comments. <laughs> so, they kill people, they murder people, which is? Some of them do. A crime, a felony in fact, a felony for which your right to vote is withdrawn. So even accepting the hypothetical put forth that they had it at one point, they lose it when they bite somebody, which they all do! Which some do. We've heard statistics. Not every zombie is a murderer. Not every zombie even commits assault. And we have never disagreed with the contention that a zombie guilty of a crime, charged and convicted in a court of law, should suffer the legal consequences, which may include disenfranchisement as an individual. What you are asserting... You're right. And when the grass dies desire, above grandma's grave, let's dig her out and charge her, too, for killing the grass. 
<laughs> She's only dead. It's ridiculous. Dig up Graham, Mary. Real simple. They're dead. And it not, it's not that they're icky or they're stinky, which your children are not. They're angels. Sent by Jesus and the angels. <laughs> Christianist. <laughs> now I see what's going on. It's the Jewish members of my clientele whom you object. <laughs> Mr. Collings. It is that they are dead, and dead people don't got no rights. You know why? Because they're dead. It's real easy. Dead, no rights, because dead. <laughs> it's not, well, they died, but they got up, and so now they got rights, even though they bite people sometimes, but sometimes they don't, so that we should love them. Just give them a big old kiss on their stinky cheek, and turn your face away real fast, so just in case they do snap, they'll miss, because then they ain't criminals, and they can still, that's freaking complicated. <laughs> dead, no civil rights, because they're dead. No voting. Government rests. Mr. Collings laments a complicated world. Well, I lament it too, but I don't deny its existence. The fact is, some of the dead aren't finished. They aren't finished, and they're still people. Still people, fact the state has never disputed. And they would like to vote. They would like to participate in structuring the communities in which they live. And my clients have never suggested that any of them that commits a crime should not be held responsible. They should. But it's simply a fallacy to say the dead are dead. They're not. There's two kinds of dead, and you know it. There's two kinds of dead, and you know it. One wants to vote. The other is his grandma, apparently. <laughs> Don't you go messing with Grammy. <laughs> I am not the one who suggested disinternment repeatedly in this proceeding. But she's my Grammy. I will not go there. <laughs> Remember this. The question is simple. The question is simple. Zombies are dangerous. They know it. When they commit a crime, they should be prosecuted. They should be prosecuted. But they're not brainless monsters. They are people in the Constitution, Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment, give them the right to vote. And the state can only take that away. If it proves it can deal with the zombies in some less restrictive way, then taking away that right. If there's a less restrictive way, you must let zombies vote today. Thank you. Okay, we've heard closing statements. I am going to give the jury a brief 15-second recess. <laughs> wow, they're actually conferring. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Group in and confer. <laughs> Take the stand, please. We have vote decided, uh, the jury has decided that uh, they don't have a... Down. Huh? Lean in closer. Lean in closer. They can't hear you. It's okay. just for that. So uh, we've decided, <laughs> this is really awkward, that since they don't have a pulse, they can't vote. Yes! <laughs> Suck it! I shall, be, I shall be filing my appeal forthwith, Your Honor. Okay, I want to point out one thing. Both of these horror sci-fi authors, spec fiction authors, are also lawyers. They're actually lawyers. So you saw them in action. Give them a hand. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> hey, that was fun. Good job. That was better than I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be down in the artist alley. Yeah, that was fun. This has been A Case for Zombie Enfranchisement, performed live by Michael Brent Collings, David Butler, and Craig Nibo. For today's song, I give you something from my album, Beautiful Words. I'm a longtime fan of the Marx Brothers. If you haven't seen these classic movies, I recommend you put them high on the list of your viewing schedule. Start with A Night at the Opera. That one might be my favorite. I took an interview from Groucho Marx, one of the greatest comedians to ever grace the stage and screen, and put it to music. 
If you like this song, you can stream the whole album anywhere, anytime. It's called Beautiful Words by Craig Nibel. The subject of the discussion will be, is the world funny? Mr. Marks? No, I don't think it's terribly funny, you know. I don't think it's ever terribly funny. Sometimes there are isolated pieces of the world that is funny, but generally it's a pretty serious world, always has been. People struggling for a living and starving and all kinds of riots, and particularly a couple of weeks ago. No, I don't think the world is funny. That's like saying, is a man funny? Even a professional comedian can be funny, perhaps, eight minutes out of about 24 hours. But a comedian is not. They're the dreariest people in the world. You should talk to my wife sometime, which is more than I do. <laughs> I would say that uh, I'm kind of an alter ego. I think between... What I have invented myself and what the writers have written for me over the years, I have said the things that no one else has dared to say because the audience loves it. If you have a general, like I had General Bradley on the quiz show, he's a nice man, very nice man, and might even conceivably be a good general. But I kidding him all through the show, and the audience loves that because they don't get a chance to do that mayors or politicians or bank presidents, people like that. People enjoy that because nobody else does that. It doesn't have to even be funny. It has to be a lack of respect for uh, somebody who is important. But I think most comedians go on the stage in order to please their audience. And I never did. I said what I wanted to say, and it was up to them if they liked it. If not, go to another theater. Did the same act I, I did any of this else. But humor is humor, and if it's basic, they laugh at it. Mr. Marks, do you think there's an aspect of escape in humor? Oh, of course there is. Of course there is. I think if it wasn't for that, I think most everybody commits suicide. There must be things that you have to laugh at. And I know my brothers, when we were together, it was always when things were most disastrous that we laughed the most, most hysterically. Maybe it wasn't even true laughter. It may have been kind of insane laughter. But that's when we laughed the most. I must tell you about an incident. I was coming into Chicago on the train. We were going to play the Palace Theater. Zeppa was in the act then. And uh, about 50 miles out of Chicago, I got pains in my side. And when I got to the hotel, I had three doctors look at me. It was the appendix. And it had to come out immediately. So they took me to Michael Reese Hospital. Zeppel went on, who was the straight man, he went on in my place. And I picked up the Chicago Tribune the next morning, reviewed by Percy Hem. said Groucho was never as funny as he was this afternoon at the Palace Theater. And I was scheduled to stay in that hospital for a week, and I was out for three days. <laughs> it's an arduous job being a court jester. And as a matter of fact, I was one two years ago in London. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bruce, the American embassy, and I was there every week for dinner. It seems that I was funny the first week. So they invited me back every week. They was at a big party every week. And I was the kind of the, the jester. I mean, I wasn't George Jessel or anything, but I would say I as, once I had as my sparring partner or table mate, Mary Churchill. She told me she was very pretty and she's very interesting, very bright. And she said, oh, my father would have loved you. You're so crazy. As a matter of fact, you know, when Hess landed in Scotland, Hess, uh, Churchill, was in the projection room at his home on Downing Street watching Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers picture. And they knocked on that iron door, whatever it is, and said, Hess has just landed in Scotland on a parachute. What shall we do? And Churchill says, you keep him there until the picture is over. That's all. <laughs> but Mary told me, after dinner, you know, the women went over in one room, the men in another room. We said, then they all converged eventually. And uh, I said, what cigars? Don't they have cigars? And the butler came in with a box of cigars, and they were each that kind church in the smoke. So I took a cigar, and Mary took a cigar. And I lit her cigar. I lit mine. We slept there smoking. She says, you know, when I used to visit my daddy, she called him, we would take two cigars. 
and we would bet a pound. Who could retain the ash on the cigar the longest? And I always beat him, and this drove him crazy. <laughs> Here's a guy is, ruin, is running the whale at that time, and he's worrying about a 12-pound luck or something. During the Second World War, you mean the one with Hitler, I was playing camps in hospitals with a troop. It was kind of a minor Bob Hope, except that I never got any publicity because I didn't want it. I wasn't doing it for that reason. I was sad about the Second World War when I would go through the hospitals and try to sing funny songs. And the boys are lying there without legs, without arms, a lot of them. And it's not very funny, and it was a very difficult job to do, because you would have to steal yourself to this ordeal. I played in Washington to a whole audience of what is known as basket cases, no arms or legs. Very tough to be funny under those circumstances, and they were a wonderful audience. Let me tell you something. Four weeks ago, when NASA says, I don't want to defeat it, I want to erase it, that's when I feel sensitive. Conceivably, we could have been erased. I think that'd be very bad for the world. Let's say it had been reversed, and NASA had decided he was going to wipe out the whole, the whole Roman hierarchy and Catholicism. Would you want jokes of Catholics on public television? I was in Montreal, and a priest comes in. And he says, you're Groucho Marx, which you might suggest. He says, I want to shake your hands, and I want to thank you for all the joy you've He says, and I want to shake your hand, thank you for all the joy you've taken out of it. And he said, you mind if I use it next Sunday in my sermon? I said, fine, I'd love it. I says, but give me credit and pay 10% to the Mars office. <laughs> This has been Groucho Marx from Beautiful Words. Thanks for joining me today on Terrifying Lies. I'll be back with more every first and third Friday of the month at high noon. Look for more interseason editions through December until season two begins on Friday, January 6th, 2023. Until then, sweet dreams, or should I say, sweet nightmares. This has been the Terrifying Lies podcast. Please come again. You're welcome here. <laughs>